trades, trades, and even more trades. A lot went down at the trade deadline, especially for that team over in Cleveland. But do these trades make these teams better or worse? And another week, and another star player is hurt. Come on, can someone tell me what's going on? Well, hold on tight for this week's episode of the Pace and Space podcast. What's poppin' internet? This is the Pace and Space Podcast. This is a trade deadline special edition podcast. And as always, this is the official Kyle Kuzma podcast coming to you live. I am your host, Calvin, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Leif. Leif, what's going on? Man, what a day. What, what a, a day. day, yes. We got some, we had some, a lot, we have a lot of things to talk about. We had a very exciting trade deadline so much to talk about but we're gonna switch it up we're gonna switch it up we're already coming out the gates doing something different today we usually save the dude and the dud of the week till the end of the episode but since this is the trade deadline special edition we have to start with it right at the beginning but it's a special edition we're doing the trade dude and trade dud of the trade deadline so Leif, hit me who was your trade dude this day oh the dude i think you almost have to give it to the cats they did so um, much right they did so much um i remember earlier today i told you that they were going to make three deals yeah it was and very prophetic it was very prophetic of you you said no they're not they have no way to make three deals and so i, I kind of backed away a little bit i said maybe one and it seemed like we got like three deals in like 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the, the joke between us was like, do they even have enough to make one trade, <laughs> you know? And, I mean, we'll get into these trades because they kind of really didn't have anything to trade but was able to trade some stuff anyway. Um, and But, yeah, okay, so that's your dude. So the Cavs are your dude of the week, trade dude you know, for the trade deadline. Who Who's your trade dud? So the dud was one that I was kind of struggling with because in one hand you know you I wanted to see the Lakers to bring in Isaiah Thomas but you know what it's too early to tell maybe he plays along he just fits in so I'm not going to say I'm not going to say them I have to go to someone who I probably thought should have made a, a move and someone who can probably have used another move and I was going back and forth between OKC and the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them I felt should have made a deal at the deadline. So I'm going to say Cold Duds. OKC and, and the Wizards. Okay. I have like a trifecta of Duds. And they all wow. actually were involved in the trade deadline. Okay. What you got? My, my trifecta of Duds are... 
the Orlando Magic for pulling the cord on Alfred Payton for a second-round pick. Uh-huh. That's it. Like, just a second-round pick. And then Utah and Sacramento, because they got nothing but garbage back in these trades just to get off salary. And, like, it, you know, Joe, Joe Johnson's a buyout. Derrick Rose is a buyout. Like, all they did was, like, throw Cleveland a bone to me in 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 those trades. So I got to give them duds for getting involved just to just for a little bit of salary relief. That's really all it was. So you took the approach of people who are actually involved in the actual deal. So I'm not mad at that. Um from uh Orlando point, I was kind of shocked about that too. I'm not a Peyton guy anyway. I mean, me neither, but if that's all that the return's gonna be, you shouldn't just do it for the sake of doing it either. Right, right. But what was the market for him? And keeping him would that have made a difference? I mean, do you think you probably could package him in with something and traded him to Phoenix? I mean, if I'm Phoenix, I don't know what I'm thinking either. I don't know why you would want him. Well. You're already- I mean, if you look at their point guards, they, they've got, like, Tyler Eulis. Like, that's the only guy they got, like, playing point guard next to Devin Booker. So, you know, Peyton is still a pretty good defensive guy. So they're at least getting somebody who they compare in the backcourt to defend and help Booker out on. Because Booker's not really a, a good defender. So at least you have the the good shooter and playmaker and Booker and the good defender and Peyton to pair together in a backcourt. That's something. And the only reason I say that with Orlando is because you you draft Oladipo, you draft Alfred Payton, and then you you decide that they can't coexist, so you turn Oladipo into a six man you decide Peyton's your point guard, and you're gonna start him. Then you you cut what you you cut ties with Old Depot. You trade him, right? You decide he's not your guy. You basically say Peyton is your guard, and you know two years after that, you're trading him for a second round pick. Like, what did you really do with that whole that whole time span? These last three or four years, where where you you had these guys, and that's really where I'm coming from. That. After all of that deliberating and, you know, I guess process, if you want to call it that, you you get you got rid of him for a second round pick, and the return for Oladipo is already a wreck. You, you get you got really nothing to show for Oladipo, and all you got to show for Peyton is the second round pick. So that's why they're my dud. And to that point, Orlando also, when you really consider it. They made some pretty bad moves over the last few years. Yeah, and Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's a a free agent this summer. Who knows if they're gonna he's, max he's him out? Though, right? Huh? He's restricted though, right? Yeah, but somebody's gonna somebody gonna throw some money at him. Are they gonna match it? Have they decided that he's their guy? I mean, you kind of have to, I guess. But I don't know, and so I don't know. Like you, I'm also like surprised. Like you probably could have got a much nicer return if it was Gordon and Peyton in a deal. 
you know, um, whether it's the Phoenix or whoever, you're probably getting first round picks or Josh Jackson or, or something like that back in in the in a trade deal like that. Just bad dealing. So, you know, and then if they just let him walk or they let some other team throw give him an off give him an offer sheet and let him go, then you kind of you kind of blew it not dangling him out out here on the trade deadline and see what you could get for him too. So, but anyway, that's so, way too so, much. So, that's way too much talking about Orlando. It's way too much. No one should ever talk about Orlando in basketball terms that much. So, although nice win this week against the Cavaliers, that that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was fun, and maybe out of that, they traded probably one of their best players. So, well, there you go. Great. So. That's the do's and the does. So let's get into it. Let's get into all of the deals that happened today. Now, you mentioned the Cavs, and the reason you picked the Cavs was because the Cavs made a ton of moves. Basically overhauled the complete core of of this roster, got rid of some six players, bringing four back. Uh, and let's do these trades one by one. So the first trade they did, which was really the trade that blew up Twitter blew up the internet, had everybody going crazy, was they made a trade with my Los Angeles Lakers. They sent Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and their own first-round pick that's top three protected for this year to the Lakers in exchange for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. So, Leif, I want, I want to let you go first. I want you to talk about how you felt about this deal and and. Who do you think benefited? If both teams benefit or neither team benefits, what's your thoughts on this? Well, my initial reaction was, wow, this was a great deal. I, I think that both teams got something that they can use for the Cavs. They need to get younger. They need to get more athletic. And I think Clarkson and Nance definitely give that to you. Um, Nance, we, we know he's athletic. We know he has potential. And I, I still think he's getting better. Um, Clarkson is someone who you can put there in, in the backcourt, and he's going to play well. So good, good fit, even though Clarkson doesn't play much defense, but he plays better defense than Isaiah Thomas. So it's a win there. It, it looks really good. Guys who won't complain, guys who will fit in the dynamic in the fold there in Cleveland. From the Lakers' perspective, um, Tanner Fry is – that's nothing. I think the, the thing that you get out of this is you get cap relief, you get Isaiah Thomas, and you get that first-round pick. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I'm not – I don't even think he was the prize. I think he was more sort of an expiring contract for them. So play out the next 30-something games or 20-something games and just go away. <laughs> so – that's just my take on it. I think it was a good deal. I think both teams did what exactly they have to do, and the Lakers put themselves in a position where where they need where they can sign free agents. They have that money, that cap room now. Yeah. Um, at first glance, I mean, maybe you can call me biased. Um, you said the Cavs were the winner. I, I feel like the Lakers were the winner. They were the trade dude of the deadline, um, having made this deal because, one, they got themselves back into this year's draft because they didn't own their own pick. 
They were the only team in any deals that got a first-round pick in this deadline. So that's a big win there. And then they've set themselves up to clear, to have max cap space for either this summer or next summer, whichever route they choose to go and how they pursue superstar free agents. And everything that they needed to line up to get Paul George and another superstar this year or to maybe, say, get Paul George this year and, like, a Clay Thompson next year, like, all of that is in place now. They just, you know, they actually have to sign these guys, of course, so cap space is only good if you're getting the guys you're trying to get. But for them to keep their core, to keep Kuzma, to keep Zoe, to keep... Brandon Ingram, and now to have this new, this new young group with Josh Hart, Kuzma, like I mentioned, um, you know, and they still have got other young pieces like Thomas Bryant and Zubac. Is they're gonna turn into anything? To be able to to keep those guys, and it stung because you know, as a fan, you know, just taking like the analytic side out of it, the business side out of it, it, it really hurt me to lose Jordan Clarkson. I like Nance, but not as much. Clarkson was a real, he, he was a real personal favorite of mine. I, I, I want him to do well, but at the same time, I am a little concerned of his fit in Cleveland. With Nance, Nance and Clarkson, they both got younger and athletic, Cleveland. Um, but with Larry Nance, I mean, for all of the complaints they make about Tristan Thompson being an offensive liability, I think Nance checks all of those same boxes. And he would be a pretty small guy to put at the five. He, he's about like 6'9". And he does not have like the, the build of like a Tristan Thompson or Julius Randle to really bang down low. I mean, he's a great rebounder. He's a great offensive rebounder. But I think Cleveland's still at at a tough spot where he's not really a five. So if you put him on the court, you might still have to put him and Thompson together until Kevin Love comes back. And you don't have Fry anymore because you traded him in this deal. So you don't really have another big until Kevin Love comes back that can stretch the floor. The only bigs you have are offensively limited, and you may have to play both of them at the same time because Nance isn't really a five to begin with. So, yes, they're small. When I looked at who, who's on their roster now, they're a very small team. The tallest person on the team is now Tristan Thompson at 6'10". And when you're looking at some of these teams who they're going to have to go against, they, these are teams who have true seven-footers, and it, it's a struggle. Um, Tristan Thompson, we know what his abilities are. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about Nance. So what you now have is you have a team who are lacking in size while they're more athletic, going to struggle in the beginning on how to gel, especially when until Kevin Love comes back. Right. With and, that said. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, but this does make them this does make them better for right now. They they got rid of they got rid of dead weight, you know. Channing Fry, they were barely using him. Isaiah Thomas was basically a locker room pariah at this point. And this is the part of the deal that worries me as a Laker fan because 
right away on the jump, they're talking about that he may have to come off the bench and be the sixth man for the Lakers, kind of basically basically swapping Clarkson for IT in that same role. And as they're they're recording the jump on ESPN, Isaiah Thomas agent text Rachel Nichols in all caps Isaiah Thomas is not coming off the bench so it's gonna take a lot of buy-in for you know it's gonna take a lot of massaging from Magic Palenka and Luke Walton with this Isaiah Thomas thing to really make this work and there's already talk like they were not talking about buying him out they were preferring to keep him Either way, his you know his cap is gonna come off the books at the end of the year. So if they can, if he can play the role they want him to play, I think it's a good move because they've been playing pretty well. You know, nobody's really been talking about it, but they're seven and three in their last ten. They beat some good teams. They had a very good win in OKC on Super Bowl Sunday. They've beaten some good teams in this stretch. They're starting to click. Um, yeah, Lonzo's been out, but Lonzo's supposed to be coming back. They were playing better with him before he got hurt, too. Ingram has really been developing. He's even been playing some point guard while Lonzo's been out. Like, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, like, these are the guys you're going to need to give the ball to down the stretch. You know, win or lose, because you need them to keep developing for next year. And on the flip side, I feel like Walton's really finally came in, got gotten a hold of something here like he finally found the right mix of rotations and who plays what role and how many minutes and and that's what's kind of improved their their success lately you know if it comes in and wants to disrupt all that and be a starter and be the focal point and have a high usage rate that kind of kills their whole whatever momentum they have right now and even though it's only for the rest of the season they don't have their pick. They don't own their pick. It does not behoove them to tank or to play out the string, so to speak. So if he's, like, causing detriment to that locker room, that's only going to benefit Philly or Boston, depending where that pick that pick rests. So that's, like, my, my one real concern in this whole deal is Isaiah Thomas and his attitude right now. And I think that's valid. And I will say that I don't think Isaiah Thomas is actually the guy everyone thought he was. He was kind of like this, I don't know, it seemed like he had, last year when he was on Boston, everyone looked at him and felt like he was going to make a difference on a team and he was needed. And I think now how he's handled everything in Cleveland it's really standing out now that he's not good for a locker room. It's kind of hard to kind of put that on a person. I mean, after all, I mean, he's been traded left and right. So yeah. is it is it because he's not that good? Well, we know he's talented. We know he's good. But now is it the fact that he's just a bad locker room guy? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know if it's it's hard to say that, you know, and I feel bad because he has gone through a lot and it's really tough the way he's kind of just lost the 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 huge payday he thought was coming to him last year, like overnight. I mean, he's had a lot of things to to deal with this season 
And the Cavs locker room was a mess regardless. I think he just added more fuel to the fire. Um, it was already a mess. I, I, I think there's a... I don't think it's a coincidence all of the names that left today from the Cleveland Cavaliers and the fact that they were all... A lot of them, for the most part, were older guys and perhaps more entitled types of profiles or personalities that got sent out of that locker room. I don't think I t- Isaiah Thomas was the the worst one or he was the ringleader or, any, or anything. But what I will say is he did not do himself any favors. No, oh, nah. Not at all. And, and I, think that's, I think that's the main point where I step on is not that he's like this out and out like locker room cancer and he's a problem everywhere he goes i mean he was clearly a problem he bumped heads with with boogie cousins in sacramento in phoenix phoenix was just a joke of a franchise they didn't know how to play all of those guys properly and then he went to boston and it worked really well in boston but everything was designed for him and he can't now that he left LeBron. It's not like you're gonna go back to that situation you had in Boston. Well, yeah, this is a young team, and yeah, we 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 don't have a player with the notoriety you have or the star credentials that you have. But at the same time, Walton runs an egalitarian system. He runs a system where everyone touches the ball. It's not like one person just dominates. And he's also the type of person where he goes with the players that he thinks are playing well that night this is a this is a season where you know people have wondered what happened with Randall's playing time he was on the bench he worked his way back to the starting lineup Brooke Lopez has had to deal with not playing in fourth quarters sometimes even Lonzo has had to deal with not playing in the fourth quarters when earlier in the season when he wasn't playing well Kuzma has gone from being like the first rookie in like two decades to score 20 points in five straight games to getting his role changed where he's only getting like six or seven shots. So this is the type of way Luke Wong has coached all year and he's and he's gotten buy-in from all of these these guys, at least to the extent where they're not like openly complaining or, or petitioning for the coach to get fired or anything like that. And Isaiah Thomas is is coming from a scenario where he was basically throwing his coach under the bus every post game. He was throwing his teammates under the bus every post game. And, you know, I'm just worried that if he's not getting the ball like he wants here, is he still going to start doing the same thing? You know? Yes. He is. You don't go to a new place and all of a sudden learn new habits. So he's gonna voice his opinion. He's gonna have to. He's gonna say what he wanted to, wants to say, especially where you're in LA and the cameras are gonna be in your face, the mics, and everyone's gonna want to hear what you have to say, especially when at night when he's not shooting well or where he's best in the fourth quarter. They're gonna want to hear that. And I, I, right now, the way the Lakers were playing, like you said, they were playing great. They, I mean. Will they make the playoffs? I don't think so. But what you see is that there's spurts, there's in them, and I don't know whether or not Thomas is going to mess up that dynamic. Maybe he goes there and plays nice. Definitely not setting that, having that tweet set that he's going to start. You know, that's something that I don't see happening. I hope I don't see that happening. But again, that 
that dynamic is something that is going to be interesting to see. I'm very curious how that works out. And if he goes and not plays nice, I can definitely see him getting bought out and landing on another team during the course of the season. So it's, it's, it's sad, but I can see that happening. But yeah, I mean, that was just one trade. Wow. Yeah, that was just one trade. I mean, to the thoughts about to the thought of the buyout, I agree. I honestly think that is. I honestly feel that that would be the best course of action for him and for the Lakers. I don't think I don't think I don't think we do him any service with the way we're our direction and his direction I feel are going separate ways. He's somebody that is trying to restore his value. He's someone that's looking for to hopefully still get a big payday. He's he's looking for these other teams to still see him in the light as a as a proven starter and potential one A or, or or secondary scorer. On, an, on another team and none of that is really going to be able to be showcased the way he wants on the Lakers because this is a team that needs to keep developing its young core it's a team that has young guards I mean he can he, he's gonna get he's gonna get a nice amount of minutes now you know while Lonzo's trying to come back from injury but once Lonzo comes back you have Lonzo that needs his minutes you have Josh Hart who's been playing really good over the last couple weeks, who's been getting starters minutes? You still have Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's there. Who you know they he got paid to be the starting two guard, and he's the starting two guard. And you know he also helps a lot with that defense. That you know Lakers are still twelfth in the league in defense. They're a pretty good defensive team, and this Isaiah wrinkle is not going to help their defense at all. And and like you said, they had Clarkson wasn't much of a defender, but he was still more of a defender than Isaiah Thomas. Oh, absolutely. You know, he didn't rotate. He wasn't a good, he wasn't good on rotations and things like that. But what I will say about Clark Clarkson, which can help the dad the Cavs on their defense, is he was very good at pressuring the ball and playing the passing lanes. He was he was very good at creating transition offense in that sense. He wasn't somebody that was that knew how to effectively run a defensive scheme and kept rotating and making sure people didn't get open but he was someone that could play passing lanes and could help pressure the ball when chaos was being created in general by the defense he was good at being able to get that loose ball get that steal and benefit from it um Isaiah Thomas is not that type of player no not at all so you know there's gonna there's gonna there's definitely gonna be have to be some massaging in this situation, or they're just gonna have to buy him out. And I, and I think it's better off if he gets bought out. A contender can sign him. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of the teams that could sign him. I mean, Spurs might sign him with their, with you know, with their lack of secondary scoring. Who knows when Kawhi's coming back? I mean, they might pick him up. Uh, maybe the Rockets would, because you know the Rockets are in on everybody. I mean. Boston. If he gets bought out, Boston probably want to pick him up. Go back to Boston. And he probably he probably not? would accept a six man role in Boston since he has he has good memories there. I don't know, but for this Laker team, he's not gonna just want to play a role because he's gonna look at this lineup and he's gonna say who's better than me, and that's already a problem. So I think for the Lakers and for him, it would be best. If they bought him out now, I could be wrong. You know, Magic 
could get in his ear, talk to him. I mean, he is a legend. He's somebody that gets respect. You know, it, he is on the West Coast. He is closer to his family now. He may want to play nice to see if the Lakers will give him a contract he's looking for. So, you know, who knows? But that would be... We, I would, we, would, we would have to see things we haven't seen yet from him this year for it to work, basically. Right. And I'm not sure we're going to see that, especially not right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced, but I will say I am open to admit I'm wrong when it, if it happens. And if I am proved wrong, that would benefit me as well because that would mean that he's being a, a positive contributor to the team. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So that's for us to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. And, you know, LeBron, he's got two young guys. He's got a couple more. Well, he's got one more young guy, and he's got a not too old guy that came in the next trade. It was a three team trade. The Cavs, the Kings, and the Jazz all got together to send Rodney Hood and George Hill to the Cavs in exchange for Iman Shumpert. Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose. Also, Joe Johnson went to the Kings in this scenario. So, I believe Shumpert and Joe Johnson went to the Kings, and Crowder and Rose went to the Jazz. Rose is, Rose is already being talked as a buyout candidate, as is Joe Johnson. And in exchange, the Cavs get Rodney Hood and George Hill. So, so what are your thoughts on this one? Another winner for the Cavs. Um, Hood, he had he had a bad down year last year. Um, everyone kind of thought he was going to take it to the next level, but he's a knockdown three point shooter. He can score, and he's one of those wing guys that is so desperately needed in the league. This is a good look, and Hill, Hill kind of brings more of a veteran leadership to the team. And he, it seems like he's a guy who can, you know, calm a locker room, keep it, keep it chill. Mm-hmm. So both of those guys, I think, are good. You know, good for the, for Cleveland. Shumpert, Crowder, Rose, Joe Johnson. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Shumpert. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the names. It doesn't matter. I mean. Like you mentioned before, we kind of surprised that they even made those deals with Cleveland. The rest of those teams, the rest of those players, they're all talking about getting bought out. They're they're role players. Crowder, I thought he was gonna be much better on Cleveland, and he got exposed as a system player. So, hey, I think there's another win for the Cavs. Basketball-wise, yes, this is a win for the Cavs. You know, they got Rodney Hood, who's a definite upgrade at their guard-slash-wing position, and George Hill, who's also an upgrade because he actually plays defense. And, you know, Rodney Hood, he... Rodney Hood should be more what Jay Crowder was supposed to be on both ends for this Cavs team. Um... I'm not too sure about Rodney Hood. Uh, like you said, he's a knockdown shooter. I wouldn't exactly call him a knockdown shooter. I feel like he's more like a streaky guy. Um, he's a guy that can look like 
one of your best players, but he can also look like one of your worst players on any given night. And he does have a lot. He does have durability issues. He he's gotten into he's gotten quite a few injuries already in his brief career. Um, you could say the same about Clarkson. He's a streaky guy. That's the one thing with Hood and Clarkson. I'm a little worried about the fit because like Clarkson. He did well coming off that second unit with L.A., and he basically had free reign to take the shots he wanted to take. And he did very good. He, you know, he, he was basically a, a, a new-age Lou Williams. He, you know, he's instant offense off the bench. They're talking about starting him now, which is going to put him, you know, in the same starting lineup with LeBron, and LeBron controls the ball. So he's going to be more of a a, a pop, you know, pick and pop guy like spot up guy that's not necessarily his game i don't think that's ronnie hood's game either he he's been the type of guy who you know gets to run some actions some pick and roll stuff like that and, and kind of find his shot um these are guys that are not gonna be like they're gonna have to be knocked down spot up shooters now so i mean we'll see i mean they can shoot so maybe this will work out for them you know lebron will find them some easy looks and, and they'll and they'll be able to hit it hit them at a better rate than their predecessors. But I do wonder if this is going to be as smooth as a fit. And then the other thing, when you combine these two trades, they got younger and they got more athletic. And in some ways, they got better on defense. But the reason they were able to make these trades was because they took on a lot of money. A lot of money. George Hill, he's making 20 mil this year. He's owed 19 million next year, and he's owed 18 million the year after that. Right. And Jordan Clarkson is not as bad, but it's 13 and 14 million to the next two years after this season. So, and then you juxtapose their deals with like someone like Lou Williams. Lou Williams just signed a three-year, $24 million deal where he's only making eight mil the next three years. Like, think about that. Like, dude barely missed making the All-Star game this year, and he's doing and he's doing a three, three-year, $24 million deal. Why? Because that's the only, that's all the money that's left now in the cap for these teams. Right. You know, they've over, they overspent on all of these, like, burgers the past couple of years, and I mean, Clarkson's not a burger, but at the same time, he's not as good as Lou Williams, and he's making about six million more than Lou Williams in the next two years. Right. But that's where I feel like when you look at the, yes, basketball wise, you know, Cavs win, but the business side of it, I don't even think they really care yet, right now. Well, that's the counter, right? Because it's all about this year. You got to prove to LeBron you're 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 in it to win. But isn't this? But see, this this is the thing. Like, cause this was. I mean, we and we can get into this, but you know, me and you were talking earlier, and you felt that this was a sign that quote that LeBron wasn't in control. And I had this the op. I had the exact opposite reaction. I feel like LeBron's hands was in every single deal that happened today. First of all, he got rid of. Everybody who was a locker room problem or anyone who spoke anything different than what he had to say. 
he got rid of everyone that wasn't doing that was new that were new figures that just weren't bringing the help he thought so crowder you're gone um crowder you're gone rose you're gone first of all rose didn't produce as he as he thought he was and then he was also a problem because he just kind of like left for a week or two and came back and you know who knows who knows what his demeanor was in the locker room because he's also a guy that thinks very highly of himself he still feels like he's the mvp that he was several years ago even though his body has betrayed him so all those all of that all of that had lebron's fingerprints all over it. this was clearly moves to appease him they got rid of the guy who was talking smack and isaiah thomas and i mean you pretty much saw isaiah thomas walking papers get signed last night when lebron hit that game winner that was funny. against the timberwolves and isaiah thomas is trying to like get in the bro hug and celebrate with him and it's like it was like it was like somebody it was like when somebody's son's trying to like High five their dad when they're like trying to like bro out with their buddies in a softball game or something. Like the dad doesn't even see him for a second. But unlike when a dad finally sees their son and acknowledges him, he just kept going and paid no attention to Isaiah Thomas. He's just bumping Seti Osman in the air, who like just got some minutes like yesterday. And Isaiah Thomas, he, he can't even acknowledge him. So all of these moves were done with LeBron's fingerprints in it. The only deal, the only asset that they basically drew the line at was the Brooklyn pick. And, you know, and it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence that as these deals started coming out, there was a report that Cleve, that LeBron would not confirm he was staying long term. Um, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So all these moves get made, but the Brooklyn pick is not traded. And I think they did that because if he had committed, I think they would have offered the Brooklyn pick too. So, I understand what you're saying. So you said two things there. One, you said that LeBron had his hand on it. And the other thing you also said is that the team made these moves to appease LeBron. So to me, those are two separate things. Because I don't think the team right now is so much trying to. I think LeBron these these deals are to me are not LeBron type moves. Getting rid of the players, yes. Getting younger, these young players, that's not a LeBron kind of deal. Greg George Hill is a kind of LeBron guy. You know, LeBron wants a veteran. We kind of know what LeBron wants. And so this didn't seem so much like him, when, especially on the surface when you saw that they were getting Larry Nance and Clarkson back. It kind of was like, hmm. We, we, we've had conversations before in the past. LeBron doesn't want to teach young guys how to win. He kind of wants them to already kind of come in with that pedigree. True, so true. especially when we're talking about in the middle of a season, you're, you're still in it. You're, you're going to make the playoffs. And now you're going to pull in some new guys and you're going to have to work with this team to show them how to win and to play with them. I tell you, in the beginning, it's going to be a little exciting because they're all going to try to, you know, appease LeBron. They're going to be a little, you know, starstruck a little bit. LeBron's going to give them the ball. They're going to be scared to shoot. And 
every even every after every game is gonna be conversation around okay, was this the right move and whatnot? But to me, I don't. They might have made a deal to appease LeBron. I don't think that this was a LeBron doing. Okay, especially that especially that Wade one. I, I well, I, I even even Wade because they got younger, right? They got younger. And while I agree with you, he doesn't like having to to teach guys how having to bring young guys along. At the same time, I think that I think the players they got back was the compromise for getting rid of the players LeBron wanted the team to get rid of. Because it's like it's basically like, okay, LeBron, you want us to ship these guys out? Well, this is the type of player we're going to have to take back if you want them gone. And I think it was a acceptable compromise in that scenario i don't even think it had to be acceptable to lebron well it didn't have to be because they because at this point i want to say it right here i do not think they want him back they do they do i mean that whatever beef dan gilbert has at the end of the day that front office wants him back because despite the drama despite the headaches despite all of that they get to the finals every year with this dude. And that's so, a lot of money that goes into that team's pockets every year they go to the finals. Let him not make the finals this year. And I promise you, especially when they start that whole conversation around who is he going to stay, is he not going to stay, and they don't want to deal with that. Look, I'm, I promise you, Gilbert does not want to deal with it. If I'm the GM, I know LeBron. You're, you're, you're a great player. You're, you're amazing. You, you're, you're a homegrown guy. It all sounds great and all, but I'm not gonna deal with this day in, game in, game out, whether or not you're gonna stay or not. You're either gonna be with us or not. You're gonna say, "Oh yeah, I'm committed to staying with you," but then a week later, here's a rumor out. And you know what? These rumors, I think, are being leaked by his people. I don't. Believe I mean, they definitely people. are. But so it's not, it's but Dan Gilbert's not even committed to this team. Dan Gilbert might be might even be selling his shares. Oh yeah. So, so he's a Detroit game guy game. anyway. He's getting involved with some ownership groups in Detroit for other sports venues. He, he might be willing. He might be halfway out the door himself. So are we saying if he gets out, if Gilbert goes, does LeBron stay? I would think so. Because is, is he the only reason why LeBron would leave? I think he's a big reason why LeBron would leave. They they have a tenuous relationship, to put it lightly. Um, But at the same time, like, I, I get what you're saying about the young players. But at the same time, if if they don't want LeBron to come back, right? Then you want a clean slate. So if you want a clean slate... Why are you bringing in role players, not stars, role players that are going to be tied to your cap for the next two or three years after LeBron moves? That doesn't make sense either. Doesn't make sense, but I don't think they want to be back where they were before LeBron. I don't think they want to experience the the bottom of the barrel. Well, I think this I team... Think this team is not going to be a playoff team without LeBron next year. No, but now you got a few players. You still have Kevin Love. 
you got a first round pick that's probably going to be high. You're right, but like, if LeBron like, leaves, like that's it. Like you're you're not you're not a top team in the East. You're not a playoff team. You are back where you were before. And you can always trade Kevin Love and get some more pieces or get some more players that puts you in a better position. The right GM can do it. The right GM can make it happen. Um, I know we, I know we're getting back into the conversation. What's LeBron gonna do? I know we're a little premature. I know we can say, hey, LeBron probably will just sign right back again and come right back to the Cavs. And guess what? Next year, same time, we're gonna have the same conversation all over again because guess what? LeBron's gonna keep signing one-year contracts with one-year player options, just for the off chance he gets hurt, he can still get his money. Um, that's all he's gonna do. We know that. That's that's the LeBron way. Um, but I can see the Cavs getting annoyed with it. I mean, I know Gilbert's annoyed with it, but I think when you look at the rest of that front office, I think they cannot be the front office that willingly said, okay, LeBron, go wherever you want. We don't want you anymore. Like, you cannot be that front office. You just can't. Because let's remind you, too, LeBron is so connected. I mean, his best friend runs a sports agency that several players are signed to in the NBA. One of them is on the, the same team. Oh, he's gone too. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, but who who are you Laura, who who are you attracting moving forward? Is the thing if you do that? If you're the front office that said, "Yeah, we told LeBron take a hike. We're tired of it." Who is the free agent you're attracting after that? They're not. See, let's see. Hold on. So we're not saying they're gonna go and say, "LeBron, take a hike. Get out of here. We don't want to deal with you." Right now, the Cavs are like, "Look, we have LeBron on our team this year." I almost think that they're playing in the mindset that he's not here next year. I and, think they have to. They're so, they're in a delicate place. They have to play both sides of the fence. They have to keep playing like he's gonna be here so that, that they can that they can keep competing, but they also have to play it well what if he's not here? What do we do then? Which is that, which you can't really do, to be honest. You, you can't really do you can't you can't do that effectively. You you either you can either effectively build a, a title chasing team, or you can ef- effectively, um, you know, build a process where you're gonna try and use draft picks and young players and build up from there. But exactly. but you can't do both at the same time. You can't do both at the same time. But the same at the same breath in what you're saying that you also have the player who at the same opportunity can be there today and then tomorrow say, you know what. I'm going to take my talents to L.A. or some other place. He can do that. And then now you're looking like, well, I created this team for him. And, yeah, you're looking at a team with hypothetically Tristan Thompson and Mike Miller and whoever you want to mention. And you're like, well, these are not my guys. These are not the team players, the players who I want. So now now you're stuck even more. Right now they're in a tough position where they have to plan for the future while also playing for today. And that might mean taking on more money. Yeah, so Clarkson and Nance and Hood and, and Hill come in because these are guys who they have to take on more money, but they got a first-round pick. They say, LeBron, you're going to stay, you're going to go. What's your choice? Um, 
what's not gonna what's not gonna happen, I promise you what's not gonna happen and where I think Cleveland's gonna draw the line is they're not gonna wait until they're in it's near the lottery near the, the um the draft and LeBron hasn't made a decision whether or not he's gonna stay or go and they're not gonna make a move with the mindset that he goes. So if they make a move and and there's a star player available, a stud available at their pick, they're going to get him. They're not going to say, oh, he's not going to mesh well with LeBron. They're not going to think like that, and they shouldn't. Well, by then they should pretty much have a good idea if he's staying or not. Why do we? How do we know? It's not like LeBron's sitting there calling the front office and telling them. LeBron last time said, well, let me sit back and see what, what moves y'all make. That's true. They drafted Shabazz Napier. The Miami, Miami drafted Shabazz Napier thinking that I was going to help him stay because he said that he would want them to draft him. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And they moved up. And, 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 and Miami didn't want him. Miami did not want Shabazz Napier. They were fine where they were. They moved up to get him. They got him. LeBron goes and leaves and goes back to Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And, and they find out, you know, he writes a thing in his whatever and says, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going back home. And so... The next team, the Cavs are not going to be in that position where LeBron's going to say, man, whew, oh, man, you know, I, I love this guy, Trey Young. That's my dude. You know, I like him. And then the Cavs do all they can. They get Trey Young, even though there's probably someone better on the board. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to go. I'm going to go somewhere else. So the Cavs are going to make a move that the Cavs are going to make. And while LeBron is still the best put the best player in the world that's i'm still gonna say that i mean whether or not we still agree with that or not that's fine they're gonna make a move whether or not he stays or not and it's not gonna be one of these guys who we've talked about plenty of times before and they don't get developed whoever they draft is going to get developed whoever they have on his team they're not going to get rid of this team this was a move that I feel like it was with LeBron in mind in the sense that LeBron is potentially going to leave. LeBron, does it help him win this year? And do I think it's going to help them compete against the Warriors? No. Okay. Maybe. But at the same time, it's like, look, you go. We have something that we can work with. So, there. Yeah. All right, so that's a good segue so you don't think that this makes any dent when it comes to the Warriors? Um, that's probably true. Um, does this put them back in the front running to come out the East, though? All of these moves that they made. I don't know. Um, Clarkson hasn't won anything. No. None. I mean, none of these guys have won anything. I mean, George Hill has some playoff experience. What right. these guys are good at, though, is they are good at getting out in transition, moving the ball, getting getting the picking up the pace, which is makes sense because they're all young and athletic guys. And LeBron is still at a form in his career where to transition basketball is a big part of his game and. The Cavs are a transition team. I mean, they're going to be much better at being a transition team with younger athletic guys than they were with the old, decrepit, broken-down guys they had before. 
Okay, so we say that, but now a lot of times when the offense gets slowed down, it's because of LeBron. He slows it down. He 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 slows it down. He tries to maximize that possession, you know, and starts making his moves when there's like eight seconds left on the clock. Everyone just standing around. That's we've seen it game in game out. That's what we see. Mm-hmm. Now what you're saying is that we're gonna add these athletic guys in there. Who, by the way, are, we're just talking about four guys. This is a team that still has Kyle Carver, who's going to get his minutes. This is still a team that has um, Jeff Green. This mm-hmm. is still a team that has Tristan Thompson mm-hmm. and J.R. Smith. And, oh, by the way, we need another big guy. So we're going to get Kendrick Perkins. Come on. This is a team who, at the same, we're saying this is a team who can be more athletic and get up and down the court and play in transition. Yes, but at the same time, we have a team who is still going to be able, who still can't play that because they don't have the players all the way around who can do that. Okay, so I got you. So let's let's put it this way. Last week on the on the pod, we were talking about the Cavs and we were talking about how you know they're like almost in fourth. They're in fourth place. We were talking about, is this the year where they're just not going to get out of the East? And we were saying that this is what, that's what it's looking like. They, they don't look like they have the horses to do it. And the locker room was in disarray, all of this stuff. Now, by a massive assumption, but an assumption that makes sense, we could at least say that the locker room should, should fare much better now moving forward, right? We hope. Because you got a lot of young guys that just got there. They're not going to – they really have no reason to go toe-to-toe with LeBron. George Hill is not a toe-to-toe guy. He's a professional. He does his job. He doesn't really, you know, make waves. So, you know, unless JR and Tristan are going to make waves, which I really doubt because – and this is another reason why I feel LeBron's hands was involved. All of those guys got traded – but his A1 dudes, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, they stayed, even though they were the first names in all the rumors for weeks. But, you know, that's another thought. But so move so after all of these trades are were done, do you still feel the way you felt last week about this team? I think I still have I have to see where they go so I, I you gotta to, see how they I, play first right yeah it, it's it's kind of hard i mean we're talking about these these players who haven't even seen me probably haven't seen each other yet haven't seen a uniform yet so mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of hard i i don't know how they gel i don't know what tyron lu has in, in in store line up who he's gonna put where um i don't know it's kind of hard to tell. Like you already mentioned, you said Clarkson probably will start, which is true. I can see him starting. Um, but you're already giving minutes to other people. We haven't seen how Kevin Love is when he gets back. He's got a play in there. You also mentioned before, you know, Nance playing at the same time as Tristan Thompson and not having a big. I mean, there are a lot of questions here. Yeah, there are a lot of questions. So I guess TBD on that they made a lot of moves we have to see how these this new look Cavs team looks I mean it's so bizarre we you never see 
a team with title aspirations change so much in midseason? It's really weird, rare that you see something like this. It is. It is. It's something that it's mind-boggling. It's, it's crazy because I was one of the people who felt that LeBron was having a great season, and I thought that he would could, could get another MVP award. And I remember you asked the question, can a guy whose team is in disarray win an MVP award? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, how bad could a team be? And over the past couple of weeks, we saw exactly how bad it could be. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Now, could he get back into this race if he's able to lead this team and lead them on a run? Maybe. I, I think so. But again, it, it's tough. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's tough. A lot of the, a lot of his, you know, career numbers have come back down. That that uh, you know, forty one percent three point percentage has come right back down to the thirty six range, which means he's been shooting very poorly the last month or so. He had a he had a negative rating for the whole month of January. First time in his career. Yeah. So yeah. are you gonna are you gonna blame that on the other team? You gonna blame that on the players who left or I personally just think that LeBron I mean, you you know, some people wonder if maybe he checked out because of all of the stuff going on in the locker room. Or maybe he has, you know, one foot out the door, whatever your reasoning is. That could be a reason that he just checked out. But I also think at this point in his career, fifteen years in and this isn't even a slight on him. It's just a realization. For all the stats, for all the numbers he puts up, you know, nobody beats father time. And I just think that he's now at an age where even his statistical feats are not inherently enough to carry whatever dregs he's playing along to be the best team in the East still. Yeah, he can't he can't play the same level on both sides of the court. Right. And and before he he could be your best defender and also be your best offensive player, but now he can't do that. And I think you're starting to see where he's going to have to take it easy on one side of the court, you know. So which is where the younger reinforcements make sense. So but they're untested and we still don't know how they all click and gel. And Ty Lu is not exactly, you know, getting my ringing endorsement as a coach who's going to figure that out. No. So we'll see. So at this time, we're going to say on paper, they look younger, they look more athletic, but we don't know if they look better. And hey, if they end up still not getting this turnaround, that's okay with me because their pick is only top three protected anyway. Right. So the more... So the more they spiral down, the better it is for me as a Laker fan. Right. So that's why you want this to mess up. You want this to. But I'm actually the one thinking this. They're gonna do better than you, though. Yeah. I, I don't have that. I don't have that much hope yet. I hope to. Be, I want to be wrong. I really want to be wrong. But it's kind of like I have to see proof, and I don't see the proof yet yeah there's nothing that gives me the confidence to say yes they're gonna be better or 
they're gonna be the same. Maybe LeBron's gonna be more happy. I don't know. Right. So that is that's that for now. I mean, not much more to say on that. Um the Knicks and Denver Nuggets made a trade. The Knicks acquired Emmanuel Moutier from the Denver Nuggets. Very interesting trade. It was. What do you think this means for Natilakina now? I don't think they've given up on him. Oh, but do you I think they're think. planning to play both of them together, maybe? That's the confusing I thing. Can. I don't think you can. Right. Right. Because, yeah, you can't. You got two they're decent defenders. They're not offensive players. You don't need two of those same type of player on the court at the same time. Both undersized. Nah, I don't see it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough week. Tough, tough week. You know, they they lost Porzingis, and then they traded Willie Hernan Gomez the day after, which you might have thought they would have held on to him, especially because of the return. I mean, they got Johnny O'Brien in a second-round pick. I mean, okay. Um, I mean, they do have a lot of second-round picks now that they can maybe flip for a, a first down the road or something like that, but... It might have made more sense to hold on to Willie Hernan Gomez and give him some of those minutes Porzingis isn't going to fill now to to get another look at him and see what you got. Maybe right. that would have increased his trade value. You didn't have to make the trade now. Right. I was kind of shocked that they made that trade when they did. And mm-hmm. before we, just not to do a complete side thing, that injury to Porzingis, wow. It's a big blow. I mean,. I hate to I hated to see it, um, especially you know I like Porzingis I like his game. Um, I mean there are still questions about his durability. This does not help at all, and you know yeah you you can say okay it's an ACL injury but a lot of guys come back from that and they're the same, but most of those guys are not seven foot three, and this isn't the first time he's had injuries. Um, he, you know, he's had things that have bothered him off and on during the course of his career. And I think that was the same knee that he was kind of like missing games here and there because of, cause he, he, he was kind of bulky, was a little sore on him at times. So the durability is a concern and I wouldn't expect him to just come back at the earliest point possible. He's probably coming back around this point next year. In the season. Yeah, I, I'll even go further. I think there's a chance that they might just not bring him back at all next year. Wow. Yeah, and I have to call out some of those Knicks fans who, who, are, who are trying to who are trying to feel who feel like it's just an ACL injury. And I mean, there's so many ACL injuries in the NBA and even in football that we start to underestimate the impact of these injuries. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned we talking about someone who is seven foot three. An ACL injury is completely different for a guy of that size. So mm-hmm. it's kind of scary, you know, especially with Zara and everything. 
if I'm the Knicks and I value and prize him the way I do, you know what? Maybe bring him back this time next year, but it's, he's going to be extremely limited. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have they're they're gonna have to really consider that Embiid plan for him. You know, no back to backs. Maybe only play him like twenty five, twenty eight minutes a game. It's gonna have to be something like that. Um, you know, but but back to the trade. So they get Moutier. They get a future second round pick. The Nuggets get Devin Harris, which is actually gonna help them as they try to like solidify the their playoff push. And then the Knicks gave up Doug McDermott to the Mavs so you know it's it's not a big loss to trade Doug McDermott to get a look at Emmanuel Moutier and see if he's a a point guard you want to try and and keep in your in your core for the future um for whatever reason it did not work for Moutier in De- in Denver um until Aquina they're still trying to bring along so he is not like he's someone that's ready to plug and play immediately and run an offense Moutier has a little more experience, so maybe you see how he can do it first. And a lot of teams are playing two two ball dominant players together. I mean, Portland does this with McCollum and Lillard. Uh, you know, uh, teams have Charlotte did this in the past when they had Kemba and and Lynn at the, on the court at the same time. Um, you know, Brooklyn's trying to do that now with Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell. It's not unprecedented, so there there is a there is an avenue where they could try that, and it might even have some success. So, you know, to give up Doug McDermott for that experiment, I don't think is a big is a big deal. I think, I think it's a win for them in terms of talent acquisition. And I guess we'll have to see how the pieces fit. I mean, it's kind of a shot in the dark, but it was it's a worthwhile shot in, shot in the dark, I'd say. Yeah. You gotta take chances, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you can't. You can't be mad at taking a chance. Go for it. See how it works out. Just a look. If it don't work out, then you move on. Yeah, and I think having Moutier and now Frank Frankie uh, Tilakina in the as your as your kind of guards of the future, I think that opens up their their draft board more. So. You know, if the best if the best player available is a big or a wing, you don't have to feel like you have to nail this point guard of the future. You have two young point guards that you can develop and see what they turn into. And if the best player available by the time you draft is, you know, Bagley or Aiton or someone like that, you take them and you don't worry about it because you have young point guards already. Now, now build out the rest of your roster. Right. So there you go. So yeah. So we can see it. So another team that took a shot on a young point guard was the Phoenix Suns, and I mean, you know, we I talked we talked about this a bit um, for Orlando, but for Phoenix, I don't think it really hurts them to take a look at them. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. We kind of wrapped this up before. If you want to keep moving, just let me know. We can keep it moving. All right, so <laughs> so wanted to um, talk about buyout names, and really one name in particular. I mean, Derrick Rose is a potential buyout candidate. There's already talks. I think Mark Stein already reported that 
The Timberwolves would be interested in picking up Derrick Rose if he's bought out. And if Tibbs and the Wolves are like leading that pursuit, they're probably in a one-horse race trying to get Derrick Rose at this point. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to move on to the next name. And the next name is Joe Johnson. There you go. Let's talk about it. To me, this is the the marquee buyout name. There's uh, one every year. There's one every year. But but this one is very interesting because even though he's at the tail end of his career, it's very rare that you find someone of Joe Johnson's caliber and versatility who becomes a buyout candidate. And the teams that are looking at him are the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Celtics. Do you want to know where I think he ends up? I mean, if I said no, you're still going to tell me, right? Yeah, I am. All right. But you could go first, and I'll, no, and I'll go second. No, I'll let you go, though. All right. Well, <laughs> to me, this has Golden State written all over it. Really? Yes. It has Golden State written all over it. They're, I mean... For as much as you want to call them desperate, they are in desperate need of bench support, and they're at they're in desperate need of that in the wing position. Now you remember when we were talking about when we were doing our season previews, and we were talking about the Warriors. There was there was a guy I brought up that was gonna that I thought was gonna play a, a more pivotal role than perhaps seemed uh, reasonable. At that point, and, and that was Pat McCall. And the reason I brought up Pat McCall is because Ian Clark left, he went to another team, and now they were going to have to give Pat McCall Ian Clark's minutes. And Patrick McCall has not played nearly to the level Ian Clark did for them last year. And it's, and it's been showing. And Nick Young, Nick Young's a heat check guy. He's not a defensive guy. They only, they, he, he's like the guy, he's like the victory lap player when you're already beating a team you bring nick young in and he just keeps making the situation worse for the other team exactly but if you're in a tough game it's really hard to put nick young out there so and Iguodala's a step slower livingston is also a step slower i think they need one more wing to really solidify and i think joe johnson is the perfect fit So when I first thought about the buyout, I first thought OKC. I think they can use someone off the bench, and I thought he was a good fit there um, mm. to add to that whole dynamic. He is. I don't know if they have the. I don't know if they have the exemption money to sign him though. That I don't know, but I think I I, I felt that they can use him, especially in the game. I mean, that's a lot of scoring right there, a lot of firepower. However, I like your point there. And one of the things that I, you got to remember is that Joe Johnson is 36. Yeah. And, and it's never won a ring. Exactly. You go to Golden State, your chances of winning a ring this year is probably about 95%. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty safe to assume. Pretty safe to assume. Okay, maybe we're over-exaggerating. Okay, not 95, let's say about 85. 
it's a very high chance that they're going to win another ring. And if you're Joe Johnson, you go in there and you say, you know what, you go over here, you play, you know, 20 minutes. No, we'll, we'll find 15, 20 minutes a game for you. And down the stretch, we're going to try to rest some of our guys. So you can go get some, some of their minutes. We'll carve out a nice role for you. If you're curious of what we can do with you, um, go see David West. Go see... And you kind of will see what we will do for you. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to be mad at that. Some minutes, he can play, and he'll play for a winning team. So I like Golden State. Um, I would like OKC. Um, I would like San Antonio. Interesting spot. Hmm. Um, another another play team who can use him, especially since um, Kawhi is hurt. So those are, I'm gonna keep those as my teams. Houston, I don't see the fit there, honestly. I don't see the fit in Houston. I think right now they're clicking. He's not he's not a Houston type of guy in my yeah. opinion. So I'm gonna stick with those those three teams I just mentioned. Right. So that, okay, that's good. I I mean to me it's it's 100 percent he's going to the Warriors. I just kinda, I just I like. I feel it in my bones that that's where he's going. But you brought up some good names. You brought up OKC. Um, and that takes me to my next question for you is, which team were you most surprised or disappointed in that didn't make a move in the de- at the deadline? I thought Portland was going to be able to get DeAndre Jordan. Um, I really thought that they were going to be able to make that move. I know you're not a fan of DeAndre Jordan going to Portland, but I just felt like it was going to happen. Um, who else? Washington. Washington could use somebody. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what pieces they had to move, but they were definitely a team that could use some depth. Last year at the deadline, they they traded a first rounder for uh, Bogdanovich. But you know nobody was was moving first round picks this year. Everyone was holding on to them. Um, so I don't I don't know what they really had to move in order to get a piece. But you know walls out. They maybe could have used some point guard depth. Um, yes, but I I think the two teams that really surprised me the most were the Thunder and the Sixers. I really Sixers. felt yeah. I like I really felt that Thunder needed. Uh, you know, we were talking about Joe Johnson because they need they need wing depth now that Roberson is done for the season. Um, but the name I thought they might go for and who kind of fit for them a lot would have been Avery Bradley. Yeah, another name that was rumored to be available. Yeah, I think I think Avery Brad. I actually I think Avery Bradley fit for both teams. I think the Sixers and the Thunder should have been two teams trying to go after a guy like Avery Bradley. Um, he doesn't hurt your cap because he's expiring. He, you know, f- forget what the defensive rating and the defensive metrics say. He's he's a pit bull on the ball. He's uh, a terror for, for guys dribbling. He's a really good on-ball defender. We see how well he plays guys like Steph and other guys like that. And, and for OKC, who has shown that they have at least the pieces to be a very interesting matchup 
for Golden State, getting a guy like Avery Bradley, you just you give him like the one job of guard Curry. That makes that whole series way more interesting. You open up Paul George to guard whoever you want him to guard. And for a team that's already a tough play for Golden State, that would have made them, I think, like five times harder and may have given them even an edge to possibly upset Golden State. But that's gone now. So unless they show up as like a a buyout candidate for, for, for Joe Johnson, who is not going to be able to play the same type of defense Avery Bradley would, I really don't know. And the Sixers, I feel like the Sixers need a little more guard help. That's just me personally. They can use guard help. They can use some shooters. Yeah. You know, and Avery Bradley. They weren't going to give that first round pick for for Bradley. They weren't going to do it. I know, but but they've got like 15 second rounders. Maybe they could have thrown like four of them and a player at at the Clippers, and that would have been interesting enough. I think they would have bid on that, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, because Redick, he's a great, he's a great player, but he's not a, he's not a strong defender. He's an okay defender. Um, and Bradley, you know, he's a guy that if you give him that corner three, he's gonna knock it down, and he's a good defender. Like for OKC, he might have been an upgrade over Roberson, who they were relying on a lot, and and for Philly, Bradley would have been a guy that they don't really have much of. They don't. They don't really have a guy like Bradley on the roster at all. No. And they're no. and they're a team that's trying to make the playoffs. And this East race is very interesting now because we got Detroit. They made that trade for Blake. They're five and zero since they made that trade. They're racing back up the standings. Philly's holding on to that eight seed by a thread. The Pacers are like right ahead of them in the seventh. I mean, all of a sudden. Whoever has the 8th or the 7th seed, they're going to be real problems for Boston or Toronto in the first round. Yeah. Because, I mean... I, 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 don't, I don't think they're easy outs. Like, you know, I'm looking at Boston. I mean, they got Greg Monroe now, so they got a little more depth up front, a little more size. But Greg Monroe's a terrible defender. And then B's going to eat him. <laughs> yeah, so you put the Sixers... Up against Boston, I mean, with Simmons and Embiid, that size that Boston just can't account for, and even the Pistons, who's guarding Blake and who's guarding Drummond? You know, Boston don't, doesn't really have Horford. He's a great defender, but he's he's a system defender. Like he's an anchor. He's not the type of guy that when you have a legit quality big man, he can nullify that player. Oh no, nah. he's like he he's you know when you see him on the, the block, he's sitting there looking for his support, he's looking for the switch. He's he knows how to play the system and knows where everyone is on the court behind him. So, but when it comes to that one on one, especially when Embiid is backing him down or Drummond's backing him down, that's his weakness. Yeah, so those those are interesting teams. Those are really gonna be tough outs. And then Toronto, I still don't trust Toronto. I I no, really don't. It's hard to. It's it's very hard to, and they they almost got upset last year by the by the Bucks, and you know this Pacers team like or even if the Pacers drop out and the Sixers and the or the Pistons are the seventh seed, I mean I like my chances if I'm Sixers or the Pistons against the Raptors. 
Because this is the thing. There's nobody that scares you in the East this year. Oh, no. Like, who's scary? Like, even the Cavs. The Cavs are not scary. Cavs I mean, are not scary I mean you have to deal with LeBron, okay, but the the rest of the team has been so out of sorts. Like, that might be a doable task. Right now, they'll have 20-something games to figure it out and to, you know, see if they can get to that level. So, so that's not scary. I mean, Boston looks good. But I mean, they look good, but do they look scary? Do like if you look scary? Like, they, do you feel like you have no chance against them? No, no. I think every, I mean, beginning of every game, you you feel like you can beat this team. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the game now. There's nothing about them that scares me. I mean, they've come back from behind a lot too, so that's another thing. That doesn't work in the playoffs, though. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna wrap this up. We're gonna wrap this up with some ball movement. Let's do it. We'll wrap this up with some ball movement. So, you know, the way this goes, second or third time we're doing this, I ask you a question. You got 24 seconds. When you answer it, you hit me with the next question. Okay? So I'll kick it off. Is IT's career officially in its decline? I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say that it was only a spike in his career. Mm. And so once that spike happened, right now he's going back to what he was before. Gotcha. Okay. Hit me. Ooh. Dwayne Wade, how much longer do you think he'll play? I think if he, if he doesn't retire this summer coming, he's going to retire next summer. Next summer? Yeah. Soon enough. That's cool. I, I, I'll give him a couple more years, but okay. That's cool. Okay, so was this one of the better trade deadlines in NBA history? I think it was one of the most exciting in recent memory, but I wouldn't say it was, was the one of the better ones. I think it was just one team who's made a lot of moves, but when you consider what the rest of the teams did, it was pretty mediocre. Mm, that's fair. All right, you're up. Okay, so Cavs. Right now, they're seven back in the in the East. Is it too late for the Cavs to come out of the East? Uh, I think they improved. I don't think they're as dire as they were before. I mean, before this trade deadline, I had them like as a second-round exit. So now I think they have more of a fighting chance to come out the East. But it also depends how quickly they all gel. So... I still see them as, like, I think it's too late to be a top team in the East. Like, they're not going to get back to first or second seed, but they might have enough to to get out of the East altogether and reach the finals again. Fair, fair. All right, we did it. We covered almost everything we could. I mean, there's probably things we left out, but there was so much to talk about this evening. Um, This was great. If you got any thoughts on the trade deadline, everyone who's listening, um, you can hit us up on Facebook with your thoughts on facebook.com slash pace and space podcast, or you can send it to Twitter at pace and space pod, you know, and you can share your thoughts there. Um, thanks. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you know, you can find us on SoundCloud, on Apple podcasts, on overcast. You can find us there and stay tuned for more stuff. We're going to, we're going to uh, be doing some more things trying to get some more stats out there get some more feedback from you guys so so stay tuned for that
Absolutely. And thanks for listening. And stay woke and stay mellow. Peace.